Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Hello everyone and welcome along to the Liverpool Echoes post-game podcast with me, Patrick Smith, after Liverpool booked their place in the Carabao Cup quarterfinals with a 2-1 win away at Bournemouth. An absolute worldie from Darwin Nunes was the difference after Cody Gakpo's goal was cancelled out by Justin Cliver in stormy conditions on the south coast. Let's bring you some reaction. Up first, we have the Liverpool Echoes Paul Gorsh from the Vitality Stadium, Jürgen Klopp's press conference, my debrief on the whistle with Liverpool.com editor Matt Addison, and some fan reaction from the Liverpool away end with Mark Baker. The post-game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Liverpool are into the last eight of the League Cup after a 2-1 win against Bournemouth here at the Vitality Stadium this evening. Uh, a difficult game, played in even more difficult conditions as the Reds navigated the uh, twin onslaughts of both Bournemouth and Storm Kieran to emerge victorious. Uh, with Darwin Nunes and Cody Gakpo scoring the goals, um, a fairly um, dull, lifeless first half was brought into life when Cody Gakpo scored his first goal since the uh, one he registered against Tottenham in late September, the uh, Netherlands international. Reacting first uh, from a shot into the box from Harvey Elliott. A bit of pinball inside the area and the uh, Dutch striker made sure that he was on hand to turn it past Andre Radu for 1-0. Uh, the Reds went into the uh, half-time interval with the lead but were pegged back after a series of um, dangerous uh, in-swinging corners was finally uh, paid dividends for the home side. Justin Clivert on hand to make it 1-1 and it uh, looked like Liverpool were going to have to really batten down the hatches and ride out the storm of not only the weather but also Bournemouth. Um, Klopp made a handful of substitutions, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Alexis McAllister and Nunes all coming on as part of a substitution and it was the Uruguay International who made the, um, the telling contribution, curling it to the top corner after a wonderful move cutting inside from the left after initially miscontrolling the pass from Alexander-Arnold. Um, Nunes now up to uh, was it seven goals this season and he looks like a different player to the one who was part of the, uh, the the struggles last season. If even if perhaps some of his own were quite exaggerated at times, the uh, wind and the rain is continuing to batter down the Vitality Stadium and Bournemouth uh, in general. And as a result, Liverpool's flight back to Merseyside this evening has been cancelled. So it's a long trip back up north to them uh, for them in the um, team coach. Um, but uh, all in all, it was a a um, agreeable night for Klopp and his team. A 2-1 win moved them into the last eight of the Carabao Cup. Uh, at the time of we're recording this, we're not too sure who the Reds are going to play against, but uh, they will fancy their chances. 
after seeing a host of um, the other heavyweights in the Premier League fallen by the wayside. Newcastle United have beaten Manchester United 3-0 this evening. Arsenal have also been eliminated, so the Reds will have no worries over who they're paired with in the last eight. And who knows, maybe even uh, another trip to Wembley is still on the cards in this competition as they look to secure a 10th victory in the League Cup. Uh, as we say, it was a night of changes, eight in all. Uh, Dominic Zaboslai, Captain Mohamed Salah, uh, and Costa Simakas all keeping their place. But other than that, it was another night when Liverpool's strength and depth really came to the fore with substitutes like Nunes, like Alexander Arnold, McAllister, Ryan Gravenberch. Um, it's a key f- uh, facet of Liverpool's season to date. And uh, as we say, as we keep saying, the uh, front five options. Um, if you keep one out, you're unlikely to keep the rest of them out in Liverpool have moved into the last eight as a result of goals from Gakpo and a uh, stunning one from Nunes. It's finished here at the Vitality Stadium. Bournemouth 1, Liverpool 2. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Whether it's the legendary Lionesses, grassroots or expert analysis of the women's leagues, Women's Football News has it all covered. A brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Don't miss Women's Football News. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's Football is here to stay. So are we. Oh, yeah. It's a top, top, top cup game. So it's all about winning. It's all about getting through. Uh... So the good thing is today I don't have to talk or speak about the circumstance because everybody <laughs> saw it and felt it. It was um, really difficult for both teams, obviously. We, we, first half, we could have scored more goals. We didn't. And second half, obviously, we, we realized it would have been a good idea to score more goals because uh, the, the wind ch- changed the game as, again in the second half. So we scored our second goal, wonderful goal, and then we fought extremely hard. We had good moments, but it's all about about attitude in these moments. I, I saw both teams obviously wanted it, but you can everybody can expect it, of course, from the home team. But I saw my team as well, how hard we really wanted it, and I'm really happy about that. There was a, a top cup game in, in in strange strange circumstances. I mean, Darwin will get the headlines for the goal, but, but. Know, performance such as <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the other thing that was obvious, that it was, it was really good. Uh, in, in these circumstances, wow. Um, so many difficult balls to judge, to estimate where, where it's coming down. Um, did really well on the ball. Kweef thought, obviously, give him the ball quite a lot. Um, and let's see what he can do. Did really well there um, um, too. Yeah, top game, absolutely. Any more quick ones before we go? Yeah, it's how pleasing just to get through a game. Super. Yeah, it's it's super. It's just super. It's really. Um, so we knew it. Um, we have to talk about the weather because of how we can travel already since three, four days. Um, it was clear that it will be really storm wind. Um, strong wind will come. So we know it, but it's really different to then play football in it. But um, again, the boys took it completely. It was a difficult game. Bournemouth did really well. They had their moments. But you, you need in life, in football, from time to time, you need luck. And tonight, uh, for sure, um, in one or two moments, um, Bournemouth could have finished the situation a little bit better off. But it's an inch on the foot, not more. Um, and 
Yeah, then Darwin shows his class and 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 puts the game pretty much to bed for us. It's uh, an unbelievable goal, a much bigger chance in the whole game, like five, six, seven. But that was um, the goal we needed. He did it. Um, everybody was really working extremely hard, and that's what you want. That's what you want. And now we drive home, long trip, but it's we would have. Um, would have to do that anyway, but with um, going to the next round, it feels much better. If you can do that, that's really good. Uh, you um, have a look, where is it going? And that would be outstanding. We have to ask him. I didn't. I just enjoyed the goal. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye bye. The post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Hello everyone, welcome along to the Blood Red YouTube channel for the debrief. We are live after Liverpool are into the EFL Cup quarterfinals after a 2-1 win over Bournemouth and a dramatic, oh not dramatic, amazing goal from Darwin Nunes. Probably the most Darwin Nunes you'll, sing, you'll see all season. Anyway though, I'm joined by Liverpool.com editor Matt Addison to go through that victory. Matt, what are your initial thoughts after that one? Then It wasn't the most exciting but Liverpool got the job done and they got it done in some fashion with that goal, didn't they? Yeah, it was obviously tricky with the circumstances. They made a lot of changes as well, which I think never helps in terms of um, sort of continuity and, and that kind of thing. It's never easy. I know they've done it a lot this season, obviously, in, in this competition and in the Europa League as well. But I do think it's, you know, it's it's reasonably impressive to play as well as, as what they did, given those two things. And I think it was really important to, to win as well and, and get through. You look at, you know, Arsenal have been knocked out now. Manchester City are already out. It looks like, you know, Liverpool and, and Newcastle, maybe Chelsea as well, uh, kind of the three teams. And I mean, Liverpool were favourites even before a ball was kicked, probably because of, you know, the, the calibre of opposition they were coming up against. But you've still got to go out there and, and do that job. Um, I'd have been really disappointed, I have to say, if they didn't go through, because I think it's a real opportunity for them to win a trophy this season. Um, obviously, we don't know the extent of, of how well they're going to do in the league and, and the other competitions. But I think in, in this one, you can kind of get to where they've got now, the quarterfinals, reasonably easily and, and fairly straightforward which is what they've done again and yeah as i say it's it, it's opened up now for them um if they weren't the favorites before they certainly are now and i think you've you've got to look at that as, as a real opportunity to go on and, and get some silverware yeah it really is and it was such a you know i mean the trophy itself does get a lot of discredit isn't it but that season they won it it was a fantastic run of course you want to see Liverpool winning trophies don't you no matter what you think of the league cup um we'll move on to the goals later on in the show map but as you said at the top of the show Liverpool made a few changes there was also a change in shape. I know they did revert back to the 4-3-3 towards the end, but they were playing in a sort of diamond formation at the start. With. I mean, how do you think the midfield played there? There's a lot of interchange between Harvey Elliott and Dominic Sabostla. That was nice to see, wasn't there? Yeah, I, I don't mind um, don't mind Sabostla playing off the right at certain times or, you know, as, as a 10. I think he is versatile enough to, to do that. I don't think it was his best game today. I think there's maybe the, the conditions and, and that sort of thing have, have played into it as well. But I think it, it's definitely something that I would look at more frequently. I'm surprised that Liverpool haven't tried that a little bit more often when you think of some of the players that they've got. I think, you know, Luis Diaz, for example, is, is well suited and, and played on the left of a, a 4-4-2 for, for Porto when he was there. Obviously, Harvey Elliott is, is good off the right-hand side as well. There's there's a couple of, of players in there that you think it, it would really suit. We've only really seen them do it in the last two or three years when they've needed to, to get a goal or they've had to, to change something. They had, I think, possibly in this competition, maybe in the FA Cup against Norwich, where they were a goal down, I think, and did that for 10 minutes, it worked, and, and it was kind of a, an emergency fix. But it's definitely something that I think, you know, 
you can explore it at certain times, particularly when you think of how many attacking options they've got. I mean, you could have, you know, Gakpo on, on one side, Salah on the other, and, and maybe Jota and, and Nunes as a front two, for example. There was, uh, I think, a bit of uh, speculation when Liverpool played Toulouse last week, I think it was, where they picked an 11 where it would have made sense to go with 4-4-2, but they didn't. They went with the, the three uh, in midfield. But it's definitely something to look at, and they've definitely got the players for it. Probably tonight isn't the easiest one to make an assessment in terms of, of how well it works or how good it was. Yeah, I mean, just on that note that you finished on, I mean, it's a hard one to assess, obviously, given the conditions. I know Bournemouth themselves aren't exactly the most difficult of opposition as well as they play tonight, but in those, you know, dramatic, stormy conditions. The defending was caught out quite a few times tonight. I mean, you know, Bournemouth compared to them did obviously go for it. I mean, they're not going to not go for it. But what do you make of Liverpool's defending tonight? It was a bit makeshift. I know we saw Gerald Quantzer again. How do you think he played? How did the back four cope, to be honest, given the conditions? Yeah, again, the, the conditions play into it to a certain degree. I think Quantzer was excellent. Didn't really put a foot wrong across the game. And, you know, it's, I think, his, his fourth start for, for Liverpool at senior level. You know, really impressive performance from him. And uh, I, I was... Slightly surprised to a certain extent to see that Simicast was there. I don't know whether Luke Chambers maybe has got a little bit of a knock because he wasn't even on the bench, was he? But um, across the rest of the back four, there was a couple of shaky moments. I think we've seen that from Kelleher as well at certain points. I think particularly in the Europa League last week, we saw you know a couple of moments from him where he gave the ball away in, in silly areas. There was one or two of those today, maybe not quite so, so clear-cut as it was last week. But I think there's definitely... <laughs> mitigating circumstances in terms of, of that. Um, the, the goal that Bournemouth score isn't great. He's effectively unmarked in the six-yard box at the back yeah. post. But how much did the ball move maybe as the cross comes in? We don't know. How how difficult was it for, for those players to, to, to defend as well as they did? It? Ultimately, it doesn't matter. Liverpool have, have, have won the game. They've you know done more than enough. But I think... Particularly first half, Liverpool were in reasonable control. Maybe second half, a little bit less so. And they've needed a bit of quality to, to come off the bench and, and do that for them. But I'm not worried about it, certainly. Uh, I think Joe Gomez will have better games. I think Matip did all right and, and Kwanzaa was excellent. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things, really. I, I think Simicas is going to have to have a break. At some point, I imagine he might have played tonight and you know, the weekend and, and maybe Chambers gets the game uh, against Toulouse in, in France. But... I think considering the amount of changes that there were, it's not a bad performance. It's not it's not bad going, I don't think, for, for Liverpool to, to go uh, and win 2-1 and you know, get themselves through without, obviously, you know, they, they needed a big goal and, and a big moment from Nunes. But, you know, ultimately, I think they, they definitely deserve to go through and they were the better of, of the two teams across the 90. Yeah, I'm, I'm rethinking my question to you there, Matt, as you answered that, because, you know, I was a little bit harsh when we saying they got caught out a few times. When you're defending into such a headwind like that, you're obviously going to get played in behind a lot of the time. And that's why, to be honest as well, I'm not going to really analyse Cody Gakpo's goal, because every corner Liverpool had and every corner Bournemouth had towards that side, it looked like every single one was going to go in, didn't it? I mean, Gakpo's was a mess, Bournemouth couldn't clear it, Gakpo stabbed it in. The one that Clivert scored for Bournemouth, I mean, you know, it's just a freakish <laughs> gust of wind that's taken the ball towards him, I think, to be honest, for Liverpool to concede there. But the goal we are going to analyse, Matt, is Darwin Nunes's. I mean, is this the most Darwin Nunes thing we'll ever see? Because the touch was dreadful, but the finish, oh my word, Matt. I mean, that's probably the best goal we've seen in quite a while from a Liverpool player. Yeah, as you say, classic, classic Darwin Nunes. I'd love it if he could just do the first touch or score the open goals as well as, as all the other stuff. But he is great to, to watch, isn't he? He's, he? he's just one of those players that I think 
opposition fans are going to have to learn at some point not to jeer him when he does the bad touch because you just don't know what's going to happen with the second. And again, maybe the wind helped him to a certain degree with the uh, the ball looping over the goalkeeper, but let's not take too much away from him. It was, um, you know, a fantastic finish from him. It was a little bit Fernando Torres-like for me. I know I've seen a couple of people on Twitter comparing it to, to a Suarez one. I think against Stoke where he does something similar, but... It was. Uh, it felt very Fernando Torres to me, which is is not a bad comparison to, to have. I don't think. Yeah, he's following the footsteps of Torres and Suarez, and I mean, yeah, unbelievable strike from Darwin. As you say, the opposition fans need to know that you don't want to rile him up because that's when you see the best from him. Um, let's cast our eyes forward then, Max. It was a relatively strong lineup tonight. Not maybe not full strength, but stronger than I'd expected to be honest for the League Cup heading into Luton on Saturday. It's not exactly the hardest of games. Um, what changes would you expect to see? Is anyone tonight who impressed you? Maybe keeping the lineup. It's a hard one, really. I mean, the, beyond the obvious ones, I think there's there's maybe an argument to, to say that Curtis Jones comes back in. Obviously, he's back from the suspension. That's why he was, was able to play tonight. I think Ryan Gravenberg looked a little bit tired over the weekend. Obviously, he's played no football and then probably more than he was expecting when he's come to Liverpool because of, of the Jones suspension. So maybe, maybe there's a conversation to be had there. I'd be surprised if Darwin Nunes didn't start up front. I think that seems, you know, a pretty logical one. The fact that you know Diego Jota's come off the bench, I know he played two full 90s going into to this game, so that kind of makes sense. I would guess from this point it would probably be a, a Salah-Nunes-Jota front three, I would imagine, and maybe Gakpo is, is the one to maybe be the, the impact player off the bench. I suspect that that's probably the most likely scenario. Um, I think two of the midfielders pick themselves, and then it's a case of Jones or Gravenberg making the, the third one. And then across the back four, Simicast presumably is going to have to go again. It'd be a surprise if, if it wasn't him. And obviously Van Dijk and, and Canate get the night off. And, and Trent didn't think he had the best performance off the, the, the bench in midfield, but I'm sure he'll be back at, at right back and, and back in familiar surroundings. So I think that's probably what you're looking at for, for the weekend. I think that's fairly predictable. But like I said at the start, I, I, I am glad that they played Salah and Saboslai and, and went for it today because I think maybe one or two extra younger faces in that team and, and they don't get themselves through and, and you end up kicking yourself. I think it would have been a massive, massive missed opportunity. And it's not like they've had, you know, loads of, of Champions League football this season to, you know, have to, to use those players in. I, I saw a few people were surprised that Saboslai was given, you know, another another start. But again, you know, he's he's had he's had more than enough games off this season to still be fresh and I mean, to be honest, he doesn't doesn't look like he ever gets tired anyway, so I wouldn't be massively concerned about him. But I think, yeah, the, the fact that it was an important game and the fact that, like you say, it's it's Luton on Sunday, even with a couple of changes, if Liverpool needed to do that, um, you know, for, for that one, they should be able to go there and, and win and show themselves to be controlled and, and dominant and all of the, the things that we've seen from the start of this season. So I think that the lineup probably will pick itself for the weekend, but... It's one of those where you've got so many subs and you can you know, bring somebody on after an hour and because of the, the stoppage time and all the rest of it, they're still getting basically a, a half of football. Um, yeah, I think I wouldn't be too worried whichever way they went, but I suspect that's probably the way that they'll go. Yeah, it doesn't really matter to be honest. Doesn't they should be beating Luton no matter what? Um, yeah, I, I agree. With you. I'd love to see Jones play to be honest, but I think he might go with Gramberg just to have that bit more of a physical presence because Luton's main threat obviously is playing directly and set pieces. I mean, there's maybe even a case for Joel Matip, but that'd be very surprising if he wasn't to play Canate after giving him a rest tonight. But anyway, yeah, we'll wrap up the debrief there. Thank you everyone for watching along with us here on the Blood Red YouTube channel. The League Cup quarterfinal draw will shortly be upon us. Keep across the Liverpool Echo and Liverpool.com sites for all the latest on that. It looks at the moment like it could be one of. 
West Ham United, sorry, West Ham United, Chelsea, Everton. That'd be an interesting draw, wouldn't it? Fulham or maybe Newcastle United after they beat Man United. Well, they're currently beating Man United 3-0. Great result for Liverpool fans, that one, isn't it? Yeah, as I said, though, make sure you stick around with us here on the Blood Red channel. We'll bring Jurgen Klopp's press conference as soon as we have it. And of course, the post-game podcast will be going up on whichever platform you get your podcasts from. But for now, thank you for joining me, Patrick Smith and Liverpool.com editor Matt Allison. We'll catch you again soon on The Debrief. Really good result for Liverpool in the end, going away to a Premier League side in the Cup. Liverpool ended up getting a 2-1 win against Bournemouth. And when you consider Liverpool had made a mass amount of changes to the side and they're playing in conditions which are really difficult in terms of the weather, I feel that anyone who's played football, I suppose, would always say that the least favourite conditions to play in is wind. And that was some kind of wind, judging by the, the pictures on TV and judging by the length Cueven <laughs> Kelleher's goal kicks could get in the second half and how much trouble Bournemouth had in the first half and Liverpool had in the second half just simply trying to progress the ball in any way. Such were the conditions. And I felt Liverpool played really well in the first half, played some really good football, obviously aided by the fact that Bournemouth were on the half of the pitch, facing into the wind. However, Liverpool could have gone into the half-time interval more than one goal up. I felt they created some really good opportunities inside and just outside the penalty area, which ultimately could have been converted. As it was, the opportunity wasn't taken and a goalkeeper error from Grieven Kelleher from the corner in which he lost the flight of the ball. I don't think his position was fantastic as well. I felt he was a bit too advanced of the back post as the ball killed over his head. Bournemouth ultimately get level. And then a fantastic goal from Darwin Nunes, really. And he just keeps getting better on a weekly basis. And I think, I'm not going to go on too much about Nunes because I think it's done him a lot over the, the last few months, even the last year, really. But I do believe that he, how well he performs over the course of the season might have a real impact on how well Liverpool can do. I think he, he could be that important to them, really, when you think about playing on the highest line of the pitch and some of the providers he has for them, filling in them pockets of space in behind him and assisting them over, through, round, whatever you want to call it. Liverpool have got a array of players now who can find him as the moving target, as the highest player. So, so yeah, another fantastic goal from him today. And I think one of the things I wanted to touch on really, I haven't really done this player since I've been doing the podcasts, well, since he's come into, into the team really, but Gerald Kwanzaa, I felt he was outstanding today and probably Liverpool's best player. And when you consider such difficult conditions, again, especially for the centre-half, having to deal with a lot of aerial ball balls and a lot of balls which you could easily miss time or lose the flight of, I felt he was really dominant in his play. And he's done really well for Liverpool since he came in. Obviously, to play for Liverpool, you've got to have an array of qualities, really, to play centre-half. And, and one of them is to have that physicality to be able to manage in isolation, managing them spaces, them big open spaces that Liverpool will often leave behind when their initial pressure is breached. And, you know, being forced into the wide areas and being comfortable with dealing with mobile attackers in them zones. And again, I felt he did really well today. Looked strong, commanding. Also think he looks very composed on the ball. Obviously, he's a right-footed player playing on that left-hand side. Very, I like Virgil van Dijk in that sort of space. But to be able to do that, you've got to be really proficient and an outstanding distributor of the ball with your stronger side, especially if, obviously, that initial pass that be played on the more favoured left foot isn't, isn't an option because, obviously, you're a right-footed player. And van Dijk's such a magnificent switcher of the ball, such a magnificent progression of the ball to, to find the wide areas of the pitch, not so much playing through the opposition, but to find the wide areas of the pitch with elevated balls, especially to Salah, that that armoury for Liverpool basically 
renders the fact that he isn't left-footed pretty much irrelevant, such as his quality in other areas, as a as a complete defender. And of course, you know, it's asking an awful lot of any player to reach the ceiling and are probably the best, still the best defender in the world and for me the best defender who's, who's played football at his absolute peak. But Jadel Quonset obviously is showing good signs in his use of the ball. He's, used, he's shown good signs in his, his ability to be able to manage physically against mobile attackers. And whilst it's very early, they're the qualities you sort of want to see from playing in them areas. Obviously Liverpool had a problem in recent seasons when they had to play the likes of Reese Williams and Nathaniel Phillips in them them positions and ultimately it just really hindered Liverpool because as much as they were able to get by you'd always felt that any ball sort of around the sides of Liverpool or if it was a physical matchup they could be exposed and it was never going to be a long-term solution now it remains to be seen whether this player is going to be a long-term solution but you know the early signs are he could be a valuable squad member for Liverpool especially with being a homegrown player and a player who looks like he has the, the player profile to be able to do well in the position. Obviously, we'll have to see it over a much longer period of time and over much better opposition. But yeah, you can be really pleased with how he's done so far this season. I think one of the things I wanted to mention about the game was just in general. I think when Liverpool went 2-1 ahead in the game through Nunes, I always like to pick out, you know, I'm not outcome biased and I never sort of just focus on the results. And again, there was just some things within the game that I feel that Liverpool can do a lot better. So... Just at times, Ravan Gravambach, or Gravambach, or however you want to call it, sorry, I struggle with his name. It, at times, it's just a real lack of discipline again, for me. Giving away free kicks in really dangerous areas when you factor in how difficult the conditions were as well. But even if you take out the conditions, some of the decisions he makes to make, he, he makes to make fouls in this particular game around the edge of the area after Liverpool have just gone up. Liverpool, in any game, it's easy to concede from set plays, from them zones. And he's got to be a lot more patient, not dive in, put his brakes on, decelerate, and ultimately not have to engage if he doesn't believe he's assured to win the ball. And and that'll come back to haunt Liverpool. It will, over the course of a season, if players keep making these kind of fouls in dangerous areas at key moments in the game. And just because Liverpool have won the game today, I think they're the kind of points that really need to be picked up on. Because it can be the difference between between an outcome and obviously with Gravenberg as well I think I remember in the the Tottenham away game and by the way he's, he's been a really positive impression for Liverpool so far so this is not me sort of singling him out I'm just talking about a bit of professionalism a bit of experience that he needs to gain I remember in the Tottenham fixture the one Liverpool ultimately lost this season the only defeat when they went down to nine men and he had the ball in the corner flag in the last minute he made a really yeah, a really unprofessional decision for me to try and beat a man in the corner. Ultimately, he got sandbagged, he got tackled, and Tottenham were able to go up the other end, counter-attack, and ultimately win the game through a goal, uh, an own goal from Joel Matip. But at that stage, it just struck with me. What he really needed to do was just move into the corner, protect the ball, try and advance Liverpool into a into a throw-in or win one of them sorts of situations, even if it was a free kick. But ultimately, he tried the more ambitious thing and ended up losing the ball and Liverpool then, you know, succumbed to defeat. So they're just little moments, but they do matter. And I think another one is Trent Alexander-Arnold coming on. And obviously at the time, Klopp removes Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones, who are probably one of the most, or two of the most safest options in Liverpool's side on, on the football 
so adept at retaining possession in tight spaces. And obviously, Alexander Arnold's a totally different player to that. Obviously, he's a player who looks to hit the opposition with the ball at all times, looks to play forward and progress it as much as he possibly can. And is very much a risk-reward player. And at that stage, with the difficulty of the conditions, I was surprised that Klopp actually made the change. And I don't think it actually benefited Liverpool. And I felt at times, again, Alexander-Arnold was losing the ball in his deeper areas of the pitch, which, again, can cost Liverpool. I mean, again, there's no bigger fan of the player than me, Alexander-Arnold. There really isn't. But I just think a little bit of experience from now and then in these kind of situations. Because, again... Because that ball was surrendered in the middle of the pitch, Liverpool were in situations where it could have been a different story had the opposition used the ball better. And it was a, it's just something within his game. I just think he needs to balance out a little bit more. And for the main, since he's gone into the new position, he has done. He's been a lot more forefully minded in possession, not as vertical and wanting to go forward all the time. And let's not forget, you don't want to take that out of his game because he is absolutely unique in that sense, the way he can, you know, mentioned it before, play round through over you, whatever you want. He's, he's an absolute unique talent in that sense and one of the most creative players in the Premier League. But sometimes in the temperature of the game, when to slow it down, when to speed it up, when to be ambitious, there just has to be a little bit more common sense for me, especially when Liverpool are in an advantageous position. So they were the only things I wanted to point out because I think they're really, really important in the grand scheme of things Liverpool have won today. But I felt in the second half they could have managed the game better and ultimately were victorious because of a piece of individual brilliance, really. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.